0: This is Recorded Future, inside threat intelligence for cybersecurity. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 164 of the Recorded Future podcast. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire. Recorded Future's Alan Liska is our guest once again this week. This time, he brings a collection of interesting trends and anomalies he and his team have been tracking. They publish these on the Recorded Future website under the title of Pulse Reports. And today, we'll take a closer look at ransomware in international financial institutions, credential leaks in the biotech and pharmaceutical industries, as well as the rise of retail phishing campaigns in the midst of the global pandemic. Stay with us. It's always great to have you back. Um, uh, We're going to do a little bit of a a grab bag episode today here. Uh, You and some of your teammates there at Recorded Future have published uh, a series of reports that I believe you're calling Pulse Reports? Right. That's correct. And it's great to be here, Dave. Always love
1: getting a chance to talk to you. Um, The Pulse Reports are just short, quick hits on trends that we're noticing They're not anything that we're necessarily doing in-depth analysis are, but they're things that are probably worth mentioning.
0: Yeah. Well, let's start off with – there's one that that you all published. This is uh, tracking the rise in retail-focused phishing campaigns while we're in the midst of this pandemic. What's going on here?
1: So what's interesting is that uh, we're seeing – so normally, what what you see is in, in December you see a big rise in fishing campaigns that use retail lures. You know uh, whether that's Macy's, Rolex, you know uh, Walmart, Amazon, etc. You see mm. that kind of big rise, and then it drops in January and February, and stays pretty low throughout the year until it gets back to the shopping season again. There are some exceptions, like Amazon is always being used, Apple's always being used, et cetera, uh, sort of mm. the big retail brands. But we've seen a, a specific rise across the entire retail sector of fishing lures that are designed to look like retail brands, both regular retail brands, so you know your WalMarts, your your Apples, your Amazons, as well as luxury brands, um, uh, so your Rolexes, your uh, Uh, I I don't shop enough luxury to know what all the luxury (laughs) brands are, but whatever you're thinking, it's those. Um, And and uniquely, something we hadn't seen before, uh, fishing lures that are targeting – uh, food delivery services and grocery stores, which is a sector we had never seen covered, ex- not covered extensively, at least hmm. in, in these fishing lures. And, and it makes sense. It's, you know, the, the bad guys are aware of what people are doing, what's going on. And there's been so much chatter about, you know, grocery store delivery, food delivery from these food services That the the bad guys, the criminals, are going to figure out ways to monetize that, and so we would expect to see an increase in that, and it was pretty significant.
0: How significant was it? What sort of numbers are you tracking here?
1: So the the we so it's hard to it's hard to give the the level of significance of it for those in particular because Hmm. it was a non-existent category this time last year. Um, so, So the fact that you know. We, we've tracked at least 70 different campaigns using uh, Grubhub numbers, using uh, another 70 or more that were using DoorDash, more than 100 that use Kroger uh, lures. Um, you know, that is a, a significant jump. It's insignificant compared to the total number of phishing campaigns that we see, but the, since it was not you know, almost non-existent in years prior... The fact that you see such a jump means that you know it makes it significant in terms of percentages.
0: Now, are are they going after credentials, trying to, to get people to uh, to log in to a, a lookalike site?
1: We're not. So we
0: see some of that. Absolutely, we definitely see um, uh,
1: that, that. We see that combination of hey, go to my you know go to this site. It's Amazon. Log in, etc. A lot of what we're seeing is uh, just, you know, give me your credit card information um, mm. to make fake purchases, et cetera. So, um, so it's it's that that combination of fake site and then just ways to get credit card and other data.
0: Do you see something that, that would be kind of the, I don't know, the, the equivalent of a land grab with these sorts of things? In other words, um, I'm imagining that, uh, due to the pandemic, you have a whole lot of people who are signing up for these sorts of delivery services who have never used them before. And so does that trigger the bad guys saying, I got to get to that opportunity first?
1: Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's exactly what we're seeing is that, um, again, the bad guys follow the trend um, that they know what is occurring what what people are talking about uh, essentially what the sentiment is and they're mimicking that and they're they're adapting very quickly. so if suddenly everybody was talking about ordering llamas online, um, I'm <laughs> sure we would see bad guys that were that were kind of taking advantage of that and and, and so, they're very adaptive and they've set up their infrastructure, their phishing infrastructure, so it's very easy just to slap a new skin on top of it and, you know, all they have to do is figure out the hook and the lure to be able to send those emails out to people.
0: Mm, Interesting. Uh, Another thing that you all are tracking, uh, you've seen a spike in credential leaks uh, in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry. What's going on here?
1: I don't know. And this is one of those things where, as an analyst, it kind of drives me nuts um, <laughs> because I, I, I want to have an explanation for the trends that I see. Like, it right. makes sense. I understand why the bad guys are engaging in additional fishing lures associated with uh, food delivery and grocery stores. But yes, we've seen a, a huge spike, a st- statistically significant spike in the overall percentage of credential leaks uh, that that are tied to the bio, the, the, the biotech and uh, pharmaceutical industries. And, and the reason that I phrase it that way is that the number of credential leaks we see uh, can vary greatly from month to month. So hmm. one month we might see 6 million credential leaks. The next month we might see 100 million, depending on who's doing dumps, uh, whether they're considered new credential leaks or that's just rehashing of existing credential leaks, et cetera. So what I look at is I look at the percentages. And overall, um, the the biotech and pharmaceutical industry accounted for about 0.03% of all credential leaks. And that was pretty consistent across the board up until November when that number spiked to over 1%. Then it dropped down to 0.3% in December, and then it went back up in, uh, in January, February, and March. April was flat, and then um, uh, May, which numbers we just got, were back up there, back to uh, 0.07%. So, overall, it's a very small percentage of the leak credentials, but it's still statistically significant that we're seeing that kind of jump in these credentials.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, my, my my first thought, and I'm sure it was yours too, is that you know, was there some dump of a of a database full of these of people who are in pharmaceutical and biotech that got you know peppered throughout all of the the normal places folks get credentials?
1: Right, and that's what I was looking for, and and but we haven't seen anything like that. We haven't seen a a, a data breach notification or or anything like that from these companies. Yeah, you know, the the other thought is we know that there's an increase in nation state activity targeting uh, pharmaceutical and biotech companies uh, because they're looking for information about COVID nineteen vaccines and treatments, et cetera. Um, but that doesn't explain why it started in November because um, we really haven't mm. seen much uh, like like the you know the the the, the malicious activity that we saw picked up in February, March, April, which which that would make sense, but why all the way back in November? And then it also, generally when you talk about nation states, and it's hard to make generalizations across multiple nation states, but generally nation states don't leak credentials. They get credentials, and they keep credentials. They generally don't leak them, though. Hmm.
0: What about, uh, you know, these stories we hear where you have folks who are you know, by day working for nation states and then, you know, by night sort of freelancing. Is it is that a possibility here? It's an interesting
1: idea, and I hadn't considered that. And, and that is certainly a possibility. Like if your day job is to go after these, the pharmaceutical industry, you, you may take those uh, credentials you've stolen and used in your day job, day job operation and then turn around and sell them on the dark web. It doesn't account for the November spike because again, we, we didn't see these uh, these organizations heavily targeted until the late January, early February area. You know, on the other hand, there's been reporting that uh, that that U.S. intelligence services were warning about the pandemic as early as November. So maybe just because we don't know about it doesn't mean that you know it, it wasn't actually happening back then. But I, I yeah. just. It's one of those things where as an analyst I can't make that generalization cuz I don't have anything to connect those dots, anything right. public.
0: How often does it happen for you as an analyst where, you know, months might go by, years might go by and then in retrospect perhaps some information comes back and you you can look back on on this thing that seemed to be an anomaly at the time and and have new clarity on it.
1: Uh, it happens all the time. You know, it's one of the things about being an analyst versus, say, a pundit on television is I don't get to just make things up out of whole cloth. <laughs> um <laughs>
0: Now, well, you get to do it once, right? right.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, you get one time, um, so make <laughs> right. sure it's a good one. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I need to be able to back up what I say. That's why we use things like low confidence, medium, medium confidence, high confidence, and why I can't mm. even rate any of these theories as even low confidence because I, I don't have any sort of corroborating data to back it up. But I've definitely seen that where I'll see something happen – Six months from now, and, and it'll be oh, that explains that trend that I saw, um, you know, that 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 I saw six months ago. Now it all kind of makes sense, and and we see this all the time, where we have a really good idea that we're working on. We pull all the available data, and it turns out that yeah, we we actually don't have anything. Um, mm. a, a, a great example is it appears there's been. A lot more reporting on uh, uh, zero days. So, in general, across the board, it looks like, based on reporting, that the number of zero day exploits are, are, are have increased uh, pretty significantly over the last uh, over the last six to eight months. But we actually ran the numbers internally, and, and actually, the number of zero days um, that are being released has been pretty consistent. Um, you know, all the way up through the end of April, at least, uh, which is sort of the last time we ran the number. So there may be an impression that there are more zero days out there because there may be more press coverage or for whatever reason. But it turns out the numbers actually been fairly consistent. So, you know, that's that's a week's worth of research. And we actually don't have anything we can write up on that.
0: I suppose, too, that this points out the importance of of even putting this infor- this information out there when you may not have a good explanation for it because there might be another analyst somewhere who has a different piece of the puzzle, and this could be your information could be the piece that provides them with clarity.
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I'm a big, big fan of information sharing. Um, you know, I've worked closely with analysts at FireEye, um, at uh, Anomaly, um, at, at so many other um intelligence companies because they'll have some some view of the data set will have another view and being able to tie them together uh, absolutely can provide clarity that that we just don't have or they don't have.
0: So the other thing that you all have been tracking is uh, an increase in ransomware at uh, some financial institutions who are outside of the U.S.? I don't think this will come as a
1: as, as a big shock to really anybody, but I wanted to codify the numbers if it was at all possible. Um, we know that ransomware attackers love going after financial institutions. And, and the reason is the same the same reason that bank robbers used to go after banks is because that's where the money is. Right. Um, you know, so, for example, we see a lot of attacks against Swift and Swift transactions and, and so on. Um, but we specifically wanted to look at ransomware. And we know that ransomware attacks have been down. It, it, the One of the few segments they've been down in the United States is against financial institutions. And it's simply because of the investment that U.S. financial institutions have made in ransomware prevention techniques. So we looked at the rest of the world and we actually have seen an increase in attacks against financial institutions in the rest of the world. So. Um, Just going from April of 2019 to April of 2020, uh, we we were able to track over 200 of these uh, these ransomware attacks against financial institutions outside of the U.S. Now, outside of the U.S. is a pretty big, broad term, and I I realize that, but I kind of wanted to start somewhere to see what the data looked like, Um, Hmm. and then... What was really interesting is that they seem to be on the increase. So as we've gotten closer into 2020, there seem to be more of the attacks than there were in
0: 2019. Yeah. Any any insights here? I mean, is it uh, could it be as simple as folks in the U.S. are hardening their defenses, so there's low hanging fruit to be had elsewhere?
1: And that's exactly it. Is you know because financial institutions financial institutions are always a target for ransomware actors, but because Financial institutions in the U.S. have really strengthened their defenses. Um, they're looking elsewhere. The bad guys are looking elsewhere for targets, and they're finding them overseas. Um, and keep in mind, when I say financial institutions, I don't always mean banks, because even you know, overseas, most banks are, are, are actually pretty hardened as well. But I am talking about things like TravelX, which obviously in January, that was uh, late December, January, that was a big one. Um, eurofins is another one that that was hit Um, so those kind of bank adjacent institutions are also being targeted again for the same reason the banks have have a pretty hardened infrastructure but uh, some of these other bank adjacent financial institutions do not
0: all right well uh, alan liska thanks for joining us these are uh, the pulse reports you can find them over on the recorded future website always a pleasure to talk to you alan Dave, it's
1: always great to talk to you. Thank you very much.
0: Our thanks to Recorded Future's Alan Liska for joining us. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast production team includes coordinating producer Caitlin Mattingly, executive producer Greg Barrett. The show is produced by The Cyberwire with executive editor Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.